Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's off his new loop and on some new narrative, it's Arturo Zurita. Yeah, don't be spoiling stuff for people. For those who have not seen Westworld Season 1, they gotta hop on that. Yeah, they yeah. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but, uh, and I mentioned this in the video as well, I was giving out my HBO password to people. <laughs> I was like, how do how else can I tell you that this show is worthy of it? Right. Here you go. <laughs> Write down a piece of paper, give it to me. Yeah, I mean, it, we are definitely going to get into a lot of Westbrook spoilers late in the show. So mm-hmm. if you haven't caught up yet, make sure you do, not only with season one, but season two, two. which just premiered. You're seeing this probably a day or two after that, if not later, but uh, we just watched it and are going to give you our thoughts on that, as well as talking about Netflix coming to a theater near you soon. But first, what you watching, Art? Westworld. <laughs> Besides we'll talk about that. It's we'll obviously going to be our topic of the week. Right. Oh man, this past week had some, some not as bad as last week's Truth or Dare, but what we had this week was um, <laughs> Super Troopers. I did the double the double take on Super Troopers, which that was was pretty cool. They they gave you the nice you know fun it was posters. the, the four twenty showing starting at four twenty p.m. You know, they <laughs> signed the posters. We did a little making sure that they were genuinely signed, and they were. That, that's cool. I mean, obviously, I know it's when they they just get the posters and they go like that, but right. they were giving them out to everybody. You know, I'm a fan of the first movie. Went into went into the second one. Kind of excited for it. Did you ever see the first one? Yeah, yeah. Fan of the you first like it? one. Yeah, it's pretty um, good. It's been a, it's been a while since it's finally come out. Meow that it's here. Yeah, that and, it, now that we uh, have it. Meow. I went into it and uh, watching them back to back. I think they're seamless. Yeah, different cameras, but it's it's seamless for. I had Quality a little gets for a little second. bit of an upgrade. One, uh, yeah, for the for the second one or for the first one. But I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, the, some of these jokes still land, some don't. So when I'm watching the second one and I, I'm already watching, going, I know some people are going to emphasize on this joke that didn't land, saying that it aged, but then they hit another one right. and the characters go back into it. So I think uh, just for that, if you're a fan of the first one. The second one is literally the same. Do not listen to anything going, oh, we've grown or whatever. But you've grown, that's fine. That's the only one I'll believe in, that you've gotten too old and you don't find the first one funny. Right. But if you still find the first one funny, the second one is the exact same. Yeah, I'm hearing it's definitely for fans of the first one. They will be very yeah. happy with the second one. Yeah, there's no fun. I mean, it's just the same thing, just time has passed. Uh, what else do I see? I, I feel pretty. We were talking about it a little bit earlier. The latest Amy Schumer comedy, or comedy, I guess. I don't know. Is it hers? I don't. I don't know. Uh, we give everything a chance. Yeah. Does she give everything a chance? <laughs> no. Uh, we were talking about it. it's like I we it's like shallow hell except that when she looks in the mirror and she hits her head and she's like oh I never feel pretty and then she hits her head she looks in the mirror and she's like oh my goodness I'm gorgeous like I said I went into it thinking yo this girl's gonna go in there it's just about like it you know loving yourself loving your body. Yeah, just and having she, confidence in yourself suddenly. Yeah, she hit her head, now she has confidence. No, she legitimately is seeing a 90-pound model. She legitimately, <laughs> But we're not seeing that as the audience, which but, I didn't realize uh, you were telling me. Exactly. Yeah, there's this, like, dissonance there where she's seeing something that, you know, that's kind of the cinematic thing you can do there. like Right, when you're dead and you look in the mirror... You ain't there. You a vampire. You can't see. Refl- like that's the thing you're supposed to. In shallow hell, everybody sees her as being big. Only one person doesn't see her as that. 
And that unless, provides a lot of like comedy too. Like for 1, a movie that's supposed to be funny, it's mm-hmm. it's odd that they're missing those opportunities. Right. I cannot think of another movie where that wasn't the case. And if it was, it was like a student film because of budget issues. This is a big budget thing where she's so narcissistic she kept herself even for the skinny scenes. <laughs> it's confusing to me. I'm glad she has that confidence until you realize at the end of the movie that she made the movie clearly because she doesn't have that self-confidence. Remember the whole Netflix debacle where we switched from star ratings to thumbs up and yeah. stuff when she went she went up crazy because people didn't like her thing? Bro, you can hate on me all you want. If I got that 20 mil check, hate on me all you want. Yeah. I'm complaining telling Netflix to switch up the ratings. No, sorry, Bob. <laughs> Everyone else in the movie is pretty good. And I was, the one line that I that I love, this guy comes up to, the, this bartender comes up to the dude and goes, uh, hey, so how you doing? He's like, oh, you know, it's pretty good just going through all this stuff. And oh, I'm just excited that my girlfriend is doing Whoa, buddy. I didn't ask for a podcast. If I wanted a podcast, I would have subscribed. <laughs> I was like, that's a good line. That's a good line. I can see myself using that one in the future. Nice, nice. So, yeah, uh, maybe a couple enjoyable moments, but overall, not worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, that's all that you've been watching, pretty much? Just for me, yeah. The other stuff is listening. Might dabble it into a little bit later. Yeah. J. Cole, 1985, the main song you got to listen to the album that ain't even a part of the album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I know you got a video coming out, hopefully, this week on the ATZ channel. So, uh, make sure you're looking out for that and you're subscribed to that feed as well. As for what I've been watching, uh, Tribeca Film Festival is going on here. That's right. In New York. We got some advanced sneaks at a few movies that'll be coming out. I uh, think uh, with Tribeca, it's kind of this interesting festival in that it takes place uh, before a lot of the fall big move, big festivals, but it's after mm-hmm. uh, South by Southwest and it's before Con. So, you know, the bigger movies are going there and we get some of the movies that kind of fall through the cracks. Yeah. A lot of movies that star celebrities that are like not as successful indies or a lot of movies that are going to premiere a month from now, but kind of just need like a big gallery opening. So yeah. uh, I actually saw two movies that will be out in May. So these are ones you can keep on your radar First one is called Cargo. It's a movie set in the Australian Outback starring Martin Freeman after okay. a zombie apocalypse of sorts. Oh. Uh, yeah, and... I, I, yeah, I think it was you who tweeted this out, maybe. I mean, uh... I heard of it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's an interesting concept that's sort of... It's a more restrained look at the zombie apocalypse thing that we've been doing a lot of. Uh, I think it's trying to go for that whole like humanistic kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger Maggie version of zombie movie thing. Uh, It was more successful to me than the movie Maggie, which I saw at last or two years ago at Tribeca and didn't like. I didn't really love this one either. I thought Martin Freeman was pretty good in it. Uh, But there's sort of a a pessimism to a lot of of zombie movies that makes it hard for me to get into. You know, there's like a... natural to a lot of these horror movies is that there's a lot of death and I don't know, it just didn't feel redeemed by uh, the movie. But I do think if you're somebody that likes the zombie genre, this is really an interesting one in that he basically finds out that his wife uh, gets bitten by a zombie and has 48 hours before she's going to turn and he is going to try and save her and save his baby in that time. It's pretty well executed in that front so uh, if that's something that sounds interesting to you that will be on Netflix May I was about 18th to say, yeah 
Because I remember you, we talked about Tribeca before. It's uh, I always because I sent my my thing for it. I, I'll never be able to go to Tribeca because my mom and brother's birthday will always fall during Tribeca. But I remember we talked about Tribeca has like a lot of movies that go to VOD. Yeah. Like they, like you said, they don't have that big push to be able to have that theatrical run, so they thrive on VOD. And I, I, that's how I heard about it because someone has mentioned that it was coming out on Netflix. Exactly. So that's what's kind of cool in a way about Tribeca is that it is for some of these movies that are a little bit in between and you know for me I, I get to see some movies that are kind of you know maybe gems in the rough and I, I think one of those movies is the other one that I saw it's called The Seagull uh, this one's coming out May 11th it stars Saoirse Ronan <laughs> something to do then uh, Saoirse Ronan <laughs> Annette Benning, and uh, Elizabeth Moss uh, oh and Corey Stoll as well it takes place in Russia, I want to say in like the 19th century. I'm not so sure. Uh, not so time specific. Yeah. But it's this sort of odd, like incestuous tale of a bunch of Russian elites and actors and writers taking a summer vacation in the forest together. And it's like this love, a love triangle is simplifying it too much because there's mm -hmm. all these people who are uh, into other people and miserable because of it. There's like a frankness to the humor too uh, in the way that they they talk about despair so, so nonchalantly. I think there's some really funny moments but it's not necessarily the uh, best movie. It's not something that was gripping from beginning to end, but I found as it went along, I got more and more interested in how it was going to reveal itself, how the characters were going to uh, twist each other's stories around each other. I felt like this one had the vibe of a play in that there was always, when one character was finishing yeah. their speech to another character, another character's walking into the room, and it had this very kinetic energy. It's like, we're gonna, we're gonna move from the living room out to the outside, and then walk back up the hill with this character. And I think there's a, I think it's a fun watch. It has some very, very good acting in it, so if you're a fan of Saoirse, Elizabeth Moss, Annette Bening, Corey Stoll, it's worth putting on your radar. Uh, like I said, this one is gonna be out in theaters on May 11th, so. Check out the seagull. Let me yeah, know what you think. I'm looking at it. It does say that it was based off of a play. I'm trying to see because... That makes sense then. Yeah. The Chicago uh, Critics Film Association, I want to say, is the one. There's a there's a search of uh, Ronin movie coming out, and my girlfriend noticed it. I'm, try I'm trying to confirm to make sure that that's the one. And we were looking at it. We're like, wait a minute. Sersha? <laughs> Early release in May? Maybe there's some uh, Oscar. Maybe there's some, yeah, because we know Sersha only comes out <laughs> during Oscar season. But, yeah, um, well, she's got two movies coming out this year, and one is a little bit more tagged to award season. I don't know if this is going to get an awards push, but so I wouldn't okay. be surprised if part of the reason she took it is she thought there might be uh, some awards okay. push in there. I feel like it's maybe just a rung below what it needs to be to be considered like a Oscar hopeful, but it's certainly like of that spirit and has some really good performances in it. I wouldn't be surprised if critics uh, talk about it a lot a month from now. Do you know the name of the other one that you think is going to get the awards push? Mary Queen of Scots. That's oh, okay. uh, one where she and Margot Ro Robbie co-star as royalty of Scotland, I want to say. That sounds like Oscar bait. On, Cecil, on Chesil Beach was the one that I saw. Or oh. is the one that's going to be playing there. And it's got uh, Saoirse. It's got Emily Watson, Samuel West, Adrian Scarborough. I gotta look into this one. So, I don't know. 
<laughs> I just I like hopping on. I, I'm waiting for that other Brooklyn, right? When Saoirse comes out Oscar season, we get Brooklyn, we get Ladybird. Uh, Ladybird, you know, you get those big ones. Ba- baby Saoirse gave us atonement. So. Yeah, she she's in it for those those statues. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we gotta we know that that's coming sooner or later. Especially she's so young and seems to be constantly getting awards attention for yeah. these roles. So uh, good to keep her on our radar. Let us know if you've seen any of the movies that we've been watching down in the comments below and what you think. We're gonna get into the yay or nays, talking about the latest happenings in the entertainment industry. Starting with the Los Angeles Times reporting that Netflix is considering venturing into the physical distribution space more aggressively by buying movie theaters. This was apparently part of talks within the company when they were considering buying Landmark Theaters, that chain, uh, before Netflix eventually backed off of the price being too high. However, Netflix getting ownership over a chain of movie theaters might be incentive to have the streaming giant approach how they release films a bit differently. So Art, yay or nay, buying physical movie theater, Netflix buying physical movie theater chains would be a good thing. Nay. Nay. Remember back in high school where you came in with your Reeboks and then you got clowned on because everyone else was wearing Nikes? So the next day, you're trying as the hardest you can to get like the most affordable, cheapest Nikes. You this is if I feel like this is Netflix trying to fit in after after cans, cons, whatever you want to call right. those stuck up people looking down on them for not being able to release their movies in theaters. They're like. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, if we buy a movie theater, then then we own a movie theater and we can we we can release it into theaters and I have to no. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the rich kid trying to be like, "Oh, I don't have any friends, but you guys like ice cream? Daddy, buy the ice cream shop." No. Yeah. You, you I'm kind of of a similar mindset as you here. It feels in a way like Netflix being like, oh, we can do movie theaters to you guys. But th- their whole thing has been at home. Like, that's what literally people have argued for and what you've argued for it as well. I, mm-hmm. I feel like that's them giving in. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not against Netflix putting their movies in theaters. I want them to exactly. do that. Um, buying a theater? Buying theaters, it seems a little weird. It's, I, I would... I'm curious to know whether or not they would be showing other movies in their theaters. Would it be a Netflix-only movie theater? Would they screen, like, three episodes of the new season of Jessica Jones or something like that? Okay, okay, Um, okay. So it's it's an interesting idea, I guess, but it's not what I'm looking for for Netflix. They can just put their movies in theaters. I get what they're doing. I get what they're doing. They're going to buy out this building, buy out this place, right? They're going to buy sofas and put sofas in all the rooms. And their screens are just going to be these really massive TV screens. They're going to put Netflix on all TV screens. You can go in there and watch whatever you want. You'll also be able to pick however you want and pause it. Mm-hmm. All of these rooms will be in different, di- different, different, different stuff throughout the building. They will then rent out the rooms to people on a monthly basis where they can also move in and eat and sleep. And they will have the ability to watch Netflix right there. And this is how Netflix slowly and this takes how over Netflix our lives. Creates an apartment complex because that's all you, you have Netflix at home. It makes no sense. Yeah, I, 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 I don't see this being a huge thing for Netflix. I, I see it more being a vanity thing to help them compete for Oscars. And so, right. So when the next Netflix movie gets announced, what is it? Oh, new Netflix movie. Oh, but not at home. Not an actual Netflix. It's a movie theater Netflix. What was the Super Bowl? What was the biggest flex on the Super Bowl? New Cloverfield movie. Out now. Yeah, go and check it out immediately when you're done. Oh, but not the next one. 
Not the next one. The next one's in the theater. Right. I don't know. It seems like a weird move for Netflix. James Cameron, who we last heard from planning another decade's worth of Avatar sequels, recently revealed his thoughts on the slew of Avengers movies that have been released, stating that, quote, I'm hoping we're going to start getting Avengers fatigue. Not that I don't love those movies. It's just, come on, guys. There are other stories to tell besides... You know, hypogonadal males without families doing death-defying things for two hours and wrecking cities in the process. Art. Wow, you went that deep. I only saw the headline. Okay. Yay or nay? You care about James Cameron's criticism of Avengers. Nay. Remember in high school? This <laughs> is <laughs> the nostalgia episode of Intercut. Right? Remember in high school where you were that kid and, and like you spilled milk on your shirt? And at a certain point you go... And at a certain point, you just go, oh, come on, guys. Y'all didn't see, y'all didn't see Jimmy. Jimmy <laughs> slip on the skateboard. You get, he's mad that Black Panther outdid Titanic's uh, box office. Box office. Yeah. He knows that if that was just one and they're building up with this next Avengers movie, his avatar is going to go away. He knows for a fact. He can do 26 million Avatar sequels like he's planning on doing, which, again, and I'm sure you're going to bring up. No more, no more sequels for Avengers. Yet you want five Avatar. Yeah, like that's the whole thing here. Is like it's it's pot kettle black. You know, I'm I'm obviously nay on his criticism of it when all he's planning on doing is let's make more of Avatar movies. Let's produce Terminator. more Terminator movies. Like, bro, what you talking? This about? is the franchise, dude. He got his he got his start in Alien. You know, like yeah, th- this is been his whole career is franchises and extending these franchises. I mean, I get criticizing Avengers and criticizing the slew of Avengers movies. There's it's no like criticism. 50% of what I do on this podcast. Right, but, but you stand by what your thing is, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't then go out and make five right. sequels what's, to a movie What's James that I Cameron to... known for? And he's the G, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. he has made he's classics. He's at those of... movies. No one's saying anything, but what's he known for? Going into that pitch meeting for Alien and going, yo, yeah, that Ridley Scott movie? Aliens. What about it? You just added an S. Nah, bro. And then he drew the money symbol through the S. <laughs> That's what he's known for. So it's yeah. dumb for him to complain. He, it sounds like he's just complaining mm-hmm. because he knows and he's scared. Bro, he, that Avatar record's going to be broken. He's tired. He's like that guy who keeps waking up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, I think he's just worried people that... Marvel Disney has taken shine away from event from exactly. Avatar, you know. No, he did that when he decided to wait like a decade to release another one. Yeah, yeah. that's what happened. After launching plans to make his next film film via crowdfunding, Neil Blomkamp and Oats Studios have canceled their plans to make a proposed sci-fi movie set during the Vietnam War. Blumkamp took to Twitter to apologize to fans and tell backers, backers they'd be getting a refund, stating that, quote, we didn't raise enough to do something truly awesome. Firebase was set to be Blumkamp's first feature since 2015's Chappie and his abandoned Alien sequel, Art, mm. yay or nay, Neil Blumkamp is still a filmmaker whose work you're looking forward to. Oh, well, that's a different No. Sadly, no. Yeah. Um, I'm getting to that point the same way that I see... Um, uh, Fan Forstick. What's his name? Josh Trank. Josh Trank. And obviously that's more of a... He kind of flamed out a little bit. Right, because I'm a huge fan of Chronicle. I'm looking Same. at the Blu-ray right now. I, I like it. I like it. You know, and then it, it didn't... He had that fallout with the studio. 
I'm trying to think of other directors who, who have gone the same way where they look so promising and then you give him more movies and you go, eh, you know what I mean? Like, like I feel he's he's in the Wasowski level. Right, right. Comes out swinging and then nothing really then, seems to affirm your faith in them. Right, exactly. But the Wachowskis at least have something to them and that's that they have a style, right? Like I, yeah. Cloud Atlas, you may not like it, but that thing's got their style stamped yeah, all over you, the movie. You may not have. like Speed Racer, but oh my God, those colors. Exactly. He has that sci-fi quirkiness down in everything that he does. That's the best part of Chappie. That's the best part of Elysium. That's the best part of District 9. But the best one of those was the only one who got nominated for an Oscar from what I'm aware of, unless the other one's got technical effects. I didn't care for Chappie. Yeah, same. I People forget Elysium exists. <laughs> Another Matt Damon movie where he's out in space. I, what you said, I didn't know the whole story. What you mentioned about him making sure that the money was going back. And I do like, I will, I will give him that. Yeah. He's like, I didn't get enough to, to give you the product and I'm not going to have something. So I'm going to give you the money back because I'm not going to take your money and then not give you the full support. Yeah, obviously so, that's that's something that's good on him. Commendable. You know, yeah. It's co- totally commendable. And I, I also like that he's not going to half-ass a movie if, exactly. he, do, if he doesn't exactly. think it can be done right. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it does make me a little bit, like, unsure of what we're going to get from Neil Blomkamp next. He's, I think his films have been kind of declining in quality, and now he's been doing a lot of short films. And I don't know, it, he might not be necessarily made for uh, this space. I think, you know, he shows a lot of vision, but maybe he's more of, like, a production design guru. I, I don't know, really. Like Maybe. I, I just feel like sometimes... Uh, people are really, really good at some things and not everything you need to be good at to make great movies. But uh, That's true. He's certainly an interesting filmmaker, so I'm rooting for him. I'm just not going to actively pursue right. his works. Deadline you, report. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do you think it's the studio that he's having issues with and that why he went the crowdfunding way? Do you think that they probably had a big effect on Chappie? They had a big effect on Elysium? After District 9 blew up, because District 9 was dope. You're, you are right when you're saying that maybe he's not a director, maybe he should be something else, because District 9 looks like it was shot on location with right. like actual people. I remember seeing that. Right? Like the, yeah, yeah, That yeah. is my reference point to whenever you see something up in space, because that looked real. Yeah, uh, District 9 was amazing, and you know he did have that Alien sequel that was going forward and then seemed to just all of a sudden not be going forward. Uh, uh, for, for, for the ones that they have coming up that are so good. Yeah, exactly. They they needed to get that covenant out there. Covenant out there, yeah. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's maybe people are a little less willing to bankroll this guy since his last two movies weren't nominated for Best Picture the same way that his first one was. Sometimes right. you need to kind of like readjust to maybe a smaller budget yeah. or something. But the fact that you said that he's making short films makes me wonder if he's just the type of guy, and I haven't looked too much into it, uh, you know, like Josh Whedon will complain in a minute. <laughs> he will. He will just, he'll complain in a minute. Then you have other people like Zack Snyder who can get all the hate and everything in the world, but you never hear Zack Snyder, even if he disagrees with people, ever say anything. Yeah. He, we all know, look, whether you're a fan of him or not, we all know he got screwed over with the last movie that he did from Warner Bros. And he still goes, no, no, I'm good. It's like, brah, like the literal notes Brushes have been it all leaked. Off. Exactly. And he goes, nope, that's not the type of guy I am. So I'm curious if he's the type of guy who just won't say anything about the studio meddling. You know what I mean? So yeah, interesting. Could be could be more to the story, I guess. Yep. 
Deadline reports that Kingsman star Taron Egerton will reteam with Eddie the Eagle director Dexter Fletcher on yet another biopic. This one about the legendary British songwriter Elton John. Edgerton will reportedly do his own singing in the role, having already lent his voice to the animated feature Sing, as well as one of the songs on the Eddie the Eagle yeah, soundtrack. Right. So right. Art, yay or nay, you want to see Taron Edgerton take on the role of Elton John. You know, it doesn't sound like, whoa, right? Like right. we heard of... Uh... Sasha Baron Cohen playing uh, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Whoa! Oh my god! Oh my goodness! And it that goes so nowhere. Sp- yeah. Rami looks dope though. Rami, yeah, Rami's still doing it, right? With Dexter Fletcher. What? That, this is the director they brought in to replace Brian Singer. Is he just doing every biopic possible? <laughs> yeah, every Singer biopic apparently. I I'm looking forward to his Michael Jackson one. Uh, Taron Egerton's a very good singer. You brought up Sing. I remember when he was in Sing, and I was like, is that really his voice? And then, right. obviously, I did a video on it with the Easter eggs and stuff, and I was looking into it, and I was like, yo, this is... He's got a voice on him. He's mm-hmm. actually really good. He's like, when you don't think Ansel Elgort is a singer, and then you see he's got singles out, he's got, right. he's got an album out, like, whoa. Actors, talented um, people, who knew? Exactly. <laughs> Kingsman 2. Uh, in Kingsman 2, uh, who's the son? Who's the biopic on? Oh, uh, Elton John. Elton John. Elton John was in the movie. I don't know if you ever saw Kingsman 2. I actually didn't. Elton John gets kidnapped. And it's just him singing the whole time. So clearly he was singing on set the whole time. Obviously there's a connection there. So I feel like he has his blessing. And who knows anything about blessings? Sir Elton John. (laughs) So the fact that he can sing, I like Taron Edgerton. I think Eddie the Eagle is a a fine, fun movie. Mm -hmm. It's very energetic. I'm very curious to see how the Rami Malek biopic turns out. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the style of Eddie the Eagle, his singing, and just the persona of Elton John, I think go very well together. It being this very poppy thing, especially because this director's already worked. Uh, I believe Eddie the Eagle was in the eighties, so he's already seventies or eighties. So he's al- he already knows period how to piece. get into that time period, right? He's already in the mode because he's doing the other one. Uh, I'm for it. That, uh, you know, this is one of those movies where you don't you don't think of it as being like the craziest thing in the world, right. right? And then it comes out and it ends up becoming this big thing. Like I'm trying to think of directors who have released something and we never thought on their previous work that that's where they would end up being. No, no, that's actually that's a really good point. And like, th- I, I'm gonna go yay here, kind of for that point too, mm-hmm. because hearing the news doesn't make me like. Super, super amped. But I could totally see myself a year from now getting the first trailer for this movie and being just like, wow, he looks Mm -hmm. so much like Elton John. You know, this might be a low-key Oscar play for Taron Egerton, who is, you know, an upcoming star but hasn't really been shown in that light yet. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, because Elton John, from the little bit I know, has lived a really interesting life. I'm very curious to see what this movie's going to be like. And uh, Taron Egerton deserves a... Yeah, he deserves a good job uh, like this one. So it's crazy. We'll get into some rough cuts before we wrap up yay or nay. First one is that DC has enlisted director Kathy Yan to helm its upcoming Harley Quinn movie. Yan has primarily worked in short films, although her feature debut, Dead Pigs, premiered earlier this year at Sundance. She also is going to become the first Asian woman to direct a superhero movie. So Art, yay or nay, you like the choice of Kathy Yan as Harley Quinn's director. You had mentioned that this movie was at Sundance. I 
I did not see this movie at Sundance. I got a little buzz and it was just for the fact that it was called Dead Pigs. I'd have to see Dead Pigs. I'm very right. I'm very curious this because I know you mentioned Asian female director. It's great. I mean, you know how we do it on the show. I mm-hmm. want to know if you're good. I'm a Cubs fan, right? Do you know how many times we have... Remember, I don't know if you ever heard of Fukudome? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I keep forgetting the name of the Asian pitcher that we also got as well, <laughs> that we have right now, for so much money. But yeah. for what? Yeah. It was only for the big headlines. I really, really, really hope, especially because uh, they have Patty Jenkins, who did a fantastic job. Like, Patty Jenkins came in and, and proved, right? Didn't just say, oh, right. I'm a female director, I'm going to do this. She said, nah, I am a director and came in and did something. I really hope that this isn't DC grabbing somebody just for the attention of the headlines, the first fill in the blank. Totally. I really hope she's a good I really hope she's a good director. I haven't seen Dead Pigs, so I look forward to seeing Dead Pigs because it did for the people who did see it at Sundance got critically acclaimed. But that's all I care about is it being a good director. Yeah, I mean, um, we're certainly hoping this is more of a Shohei Otani than uh, the mm-hmm. unsuccessful imports. I, I I'm I'm for it only for the idea that, you know, if we're gonna pick up all these random indie directors like picking up Colin Trevorrow and throwing him Jurassic World and might as well you go with an. I mean, yeah, I I don't like Colin Trevorrow's work in Jurassic World. I I'll say that. Yeah. I I'm for giving another random chance to uh, a female voice, an a- an Asian American voice. It. I don't know if it means it'll be good, but mm-hmm. I think that at least they'll have, you know, attempted this, and at least we don't have You're to. Right. It's not like a, a lingering. Well, when will we find? When will we finally get the first? We've we've mm-hmm. tried it and. Considering that she has a movie into, in Sundance that seems to be just as qualified than as many of the other indie directors that have been plucked onto blockbusters recently, so what are her other movies? She, just shorts, as far as I know. I, uh, exactly. Only Dead Pigs is a feature. Exactly. So I'm curious. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Hey, maybe she blows us away as a household name. Yeah. I'm just questioning DC because they don't even know what they're doing. Right, right. I mean, we never know. Will she be Ryan Coogler or will she be Josh Trank? Josh, don't don't do my boy like that. I got <laughs> screwed over. <laughs> uh, Netflix is ordering a new series from the UK called called Turn Up Charlie, starring Idris Elba as a DJ and bachelor who becomes a male nanny to his famous best friend's daughter, Art. Yay or nay? This sounds like a show that you will watch on Netflix. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I like Idris Elba a lot. I don't need his version of the Tooth Fairy or the Pacifier. The Pacifier? Nope. Yeah. Already got the Pacifier on DVD. I'm good. Netflix also launching vertical movie previews for mobile devices. Art, yay or nay? Netflix is sharpening a knife and preparing to stab cinema in the heart with it. No. <laughs> I I don't forget like the vertical. People... I don't need ads. I mean, I don't like people freaking out about this idea of vertical previews uh, on on Netflix. Like, oh, yeah, it's I, not like I, they're I'm making vertical content. It's not like they're redesigning movies to fit on yeah, your yeah. phone. Yeah, it's no, just no, for yeah, like a right. little preview. Like, right? Yeah, like you worked on your music video, right? And when you worked on your music video, you needed different formats for Instagram and stuff. That's that's all fine. That's all fine. Exactly. Like, What's the purpose just of this? Trying to get people to watch the. I mean, it, the purpose I of Netflix. I don't need ads on it, Netflix. <laughs> You don't like having trailers on Netflix? No, I hate seeing a trailer now that they play it before the movie. Luckily, it allows you to skip it and stuff. But yeah. like, I'm sitting down and I'm saying like, oh no, what the heck? No. What? Yeah. Oh, I love to. I'm for it as long as it's an opt-in. But Netflix, stop auto-playing playing trailers. That's the worst. That. 
Yeah, that too, right? Like, you're yeah. like, oh, let me go check that. And then something starts playing, you're like, what the heck? It's not the death no. of cinema, it's just really unenjoyable. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just annoying. And finally, Amazon will prevent non-Prime members from buying certain movies, such as Star Wars and Marvel DVDs or Blu-rays. Excuse me. Art, yay or nay, this is a helpful move for Amazon in the long run. No, it's dumb. However, who is using Amazon without a Prime membership? I don't get... Do you not have a Prime membership? I've got a Prime membership. I know some who people don't. How? You come out of the womb with your Prime membership first and then your social. Is that not how it goes? <laughs> I hear they're actually replacing Social Security with social Amazon account Amazon numbers. Amazon Prime. <laughs> Um, so you can share your social with other people? So I'm going to go yay that this is smart for one reason, and it's a reason that we've been talking about a lot on this show. I think they're preparing for Disney's streaming service. And I think they're trying to make sure everybody is signed up before that service launches. Even the people that want Star Wars and Marvel enough to buy them on Blu-ray. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. I don't agree with it. I agree it's that's a, why. I just think that's a dumb move. Yeah, like I mean, Netflix adding ads. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's dumb. not something that I support, but I, I see mm -hmm. there's I see there's some thinking there. There, this has so got them shaking in their boots a little bit. So, so paying nine ninety nine for the privilege of paying twenty five ninety nine, when yes. the when <laughs> when the Disney subscription might have the movie in HD streaming. But maybe they've already bought it on Blu-ray. I don't know. I don't know. It's it, not that it makes a whole lot of sense either way, but they, they're doing it for some reason. You should have a that's... Prime account anyway. Don't matter. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. But we move on to our topic of the week. Let us know in the comments below if you have any thoughts on the news that we've covered. It's time to move back into the park and talk about Westworld Season 2. Season 2 just premiered, and given the bloody ending to Season 1, I'd say it's mm. about impossible to have this discussion without spoilers, so please check that description down below for the episode breakdown, and you can skip ahead to the new to see in the time code. Uh, but we're going to start delving into spoilers in about three, two, one. Art. Oh my goodness, they're all dead. All the hosts <laughs> are dead. <laughs> can, we, can we? First of all, you know how when you come back from a season two, and and I call it the season two slump. The worst season of Lost is season two, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. The worst season of Breaking Bad is season two, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say Game of Thrones season two is the worst. I think they curved it. I think HBO has a special ingredient when it comes to their season twos. And I feel this might have it because I thought the pilot was, was pretty good. Sometimes, yeah, you were into the premiere? Uh, what's up? You were into the premiere. Oh, I thought you said I went to the premiere. I said, no, no, no. no. thank you for having that confidence in me. I was not there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was into it. Like, it wasn't anything mind-blowing, but it was at the same time. You get what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, they their set bombs up a lot like, of stuff. Yeah, their bombs weren't these huge things. Their bombs were like, oh, y'all just uh, slipping DNA to people's things? Yes, this yes. This ain't the time for that. That's something that I, I found you know, interesting. Facebook? Is that they, they slipped in a couple big details that are, are probably going to play a big role on the show mm -hmm. going forward, but weren't necessarily treated like these game-changing moments. So uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that happened on this show. I, the way that I see it, there's about four plot lines that we should hit on, uh, mm -hmm. mainly that being Dolores' Rebellion, Maeve's Return, and the two 
Bernard timelines, one in which he's escaping the park with Charlotte, and then another in which he's investigating the massacre with Delos. Where should we start? Can we do them in the order of, I don't know how you like them, but for me it goes Bernard's timelines are mm -hmm. the most intriguing, yeah. then it's Maeve's, then it's Dolores. So yeah, I don't I know mean, if you want to start from exciting to not. or I mean, I would actually agree with that ranking anyway. Right? So uh, I'll, I'll start that way too. Just I think Bernard was the one who was also most emphasized this episode. They do do a thing He's in Westworld where they kind of kind of shift who's the center of the show from episode to episode. And this was yeah. definitely a Bernard-centric episode. Uh, it begins with him and Dolores having a conversation about dreams, the nature of dreams. Before long, uh, we're getting flashbacks, Bernard looking at memories of blood and him holding a gun and him walking with Dolores and she looks kind of futuristic. Uh, but then we are transported back to the immediate aftermath of the massacre with, Delo with excuse me, with Bernard hiding out with Tessa Thompson's Charlotte character mm -hmm. trying to escape the park and locate a very valuable asset. Uh, the other Bernard plotline takes place 11 days after the massacre and has Bernard exploring the remnants of the massacre alongside Delos employees and their new head of security. Multiple timelines were one of the ways that Westworld tried to tease uh, people in the first season only to be figured out by Reddit pretty quickly. Art, yeah. do you like that we've got a separate timelines plot line in this season of Westworld? I do, very yeah. much. Uh, I had binged it all at once and I stayed away from Reddit and everything. Same. I started like kind of guessing it towards the end because uh, of some people on Twitter, but I know that Reddit had figured it out by like the second or third episode, and that's fine. Um, that that was the whole Rick Roll thing that we talked about before right. about how Reddit he, the, uh, Nolan came out and said, "Oh, we have to avoid that, so we're just going to spoil everything." Um, and I feel like that's just kind of like an oh, people dismiss Westworld because Reddit figured it out, and the idea that like hundreds of thousands of people can come together and maybe guess the plot line like that's not remarkable to me. It's not like it's not. <laughs> you know, they're putting those hints in there for a reason. Yeah. So you got the hints that they gave you. Good job. Okay, that's still good. Yeah, I, some people also guessed the Eagles was, were going to win. That that's, doesn't that's mean that's called that it's reading comprehension. Do. We've done yeah, literary analysis for decades now. Oh, and I also you said what hundreds of thousands? No, it's the ten people who guess it, the hundreds of thousands who read it and then go, I already know. It. <laughs> Brian, guess it. You went and you read it. Um, yeah. it's still good regardless of if you guess it whether or not. You know what I mean? Uh, I like that. That wasn't the big buildup in the first season. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, they're both different. Yeah, but what happened in the different timelines, that's big. Exactly. And I like that they're still d diving into it because in the second one, it's like, oh, okay. Now that we're not using it as a twist device, let's get even further into how we can use this narratively in terms of how two things are going on at the same time and be able to, um, in a sense, convey different... Things. Like in this one, you had the one timeline, and it's not even that big, it's 11 days, uh, where he finds the serum. Yes. Or not even a serum, but he injects himself with the, the DNA stuff the that he's figuring out. Thingy, yeah. Exactly. So when he injects himself with that, it's not too long after that we see all the bodies, and you're trying to connect how the two come together. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Um, I don't know if you saw after the episode, after like the credits rolled and stuff, where they give you the sneak peek of what's coming up. They're bringing back younger men in black. They're bringing back. Enough. 
Right, uh, as they had mentioned, I wish it wasn't revealed, but I guess they did. The fact that uh, someone from the first season is going to be in season three. So that means he's got to be in season two. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, they showed a little bit of him. So uh, I I like the way they're going about it because I think it's going to play off really interestingly in terms of is the whole season just going to be this 11-day span? Are they going to dive into other things? When is his two-parallel timeline going to come to a close? Right. And I also think there's that lingering question of, like, are the two timelines as clear as they're trying to make them out to be? Because that was one thing they did in the first season is they very very much hid the fact that there were two timelines. So the fact that they're pretty openly showing you there's two different timelines happening and one is supposed to be 11 days after another, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not actually. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of manipulation going on Oh, they there. go hit you with the left hook. I yeah, get what you Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. So uh, that's something that I think we got to keep our eyes out for. I think it's also uh, interesting that in both timelines, none of, the, none of the humans know that Bernard is a host. He seems to be hiding that from everybody still. Does uh, Baby Hemsworth or Hemsworth Sr., does he know? That's the thing. I don't think he does. Because I know he looks up there. He says, yo, that's the boss. Yeah, yeah. So he should, he recognizes Bernard. But there's also a question about where he's been for the past 11 days. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because no one knows that he's Arnold. Okay, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Yeah, I get it. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some interesting uh, questions when they reveal a little bit more about that. Uh, I also think that we should talk about how the way the episode ends it sort of calls back to the beginning of the episode in that Bernard was telling Dolores about his dream of being at an ocean and being left behind by all the other hosts. Uh, We come up to a sea, a sea that wasn't there before in the Westworld Park, and tons and tons and tons of hosts drowned in that sea with Bernard being left behind watching them all. And the episode ends with him saying, I killed them all. Art, any ideas there? (laughs) I, I think the most interesting thing that happens there, uh, even more interesting than like whatever the whole Bernard maybe killing, being responsible for. I mean, we see James Marsden's dead in the water, right? Uh, yeah. So, so, that's, so they were they were focusing on a face, and I couldn't really see the face. I'd have to go back to it. Really I think that was it. James but Marsden. Then they showed James Marsden, but he, then he's underwater. Oh right, right. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Maybe he was sinking. I don't know about that, but I did find it interesting that you're showing me a face floating, and then when you show me James Marsden, he is underwater. So I don't know if that was to reference, oh, maybe the other one is Dolores, maybe it's not. I would figure that if it was Dolores, unless she dies somewhere over there, uh, she would have been the main focus there. Right. What I think is, is probably happening is now you got this, like, I don't know, Cain and Abel type of thing. I saw the reference kind of being like uh, they're trying to they're trying to cross the water, Right, as we'll get to the other timeline, but that idea of wanting to leave the Westworld and go into the real world and take that over. And it was sort of like trying to enter the promised land. You're trying to cross the River Jordan, and then like most of them died. Right. So I don't know if it's going to become this thing, because like you said at the beginning of the episode, you think it's Bernard? You don't think it's Arnold? I, I feel like it's Bernard. Okay. Uh, well, when he has the conversation with her and says... I'm afraid of you. She's like, why are you afraid of me? She's like, because, girl, you smart, and I don't know what you're about to do. So all of this shooting and stuff happening makes me think 
is this now a war between the two? She's trying to stop them to the point that she's he's killing all of those people. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's trying to do anything in her power to make it out. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an interesting... It's. I wonder if any of this is sort of like a trap in that all these hosts are gathered here and dead and I don't imagine that they'd be there for no reason. Uh, yeah. But I, but what the reason is, I, I can't Y'all know Teddy to ain't guess dying, that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's died plenty of times on the show and he's still on mm-hmm. it. So we're getting more of James Marsden, I believe. Uh, they also mentioned in this part the idea of characters crossing over from parks, which hasn't really happened before. They find that tiger uh, dead in Westworld and he's from one mm, of the right. other parks. Uh, kind of interesting that they're hinting at these other parks. There was that website that leaked out before that showed they were uh, planning for some mm-hmm. of the other parks there. I, I wonder if we are going to get a glimpse inside Shogun World. They're, they're hinting at it a little bit. I'd love to mm-hmm. see that at some point during season two. So could be interesting there. Uh, let's get to Maeve, though. Uh, talk a little bit about... So hot. <laughs> talk Bro, about a, Maeve, I don't her storyline. what line. it is. Danny Newton in does it for you. This episode in particular, I have I don't know what it is like, where she's playing uh, an escort all of season one. I was like, oh, she's elegant. In this episode, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's her determination. She looks great in that dress. I was like, whatever you want, lady. That guy's an idiot though. The guy who was just like, hey, maybe is it, bro? I invested. You just see everyone got taken out. What are you talking? You right? programmed her. You should know better, Lee. You should know better. That boy doing the little, like, oh, it's my brother. He did it. No, what are you doing? You ain't yeah. eight years old. What a fool. Um, I would have killed him right, th- right on the spot. Yeah, so uh, last season, Maeve was going, going to leave Westworld and go into the real world. This season, she is heading back into Dallas headquarters where she finds Lee, the Westworld narrative director. Uh, I thought there was actually a really funny beat. We're drunk. Uh, when she threatens him and Lee kind of meekly says, I wrote that line for that you. That line for you, yeah. yeah. yeah One was... of those cool meta moments that West, mm-hmm. that I think is really interesting about Westworld. Uh, Maeve decides to use Lee to help her find her daughter, but Lee says that her daughter isn't real. Real. She's, it's made up for her character. She still seems to be uh, the most conscious of the hosts, like yeah. the one who seems to be most in control of what's going on. And regardless, she's planning on trying to find her daughter or something like it. Art, what did you think about returning to uh, Maeve? Visually fantastic. Visually fantastic for um, you? Yeah. But I mean, I think there were some really cool moments in that uh, seeing more of the headquarters and how it's kind of just completely massacred now. And mm-hmm. uh, they go into the map room and uh, yeah. there's bodies all over the map and stuff. It It's interesting to see that part of Westworld, even though it's not in the park, uh, in that light. We haven't gotten that glimpse of it before. To me, if Dolores is the Khaleesi, the Daenerys Targaryen of this world, and is just out for destruction, but, you know, people were rooting for her because she was always abused or whatever, the farmer's daughter, and now you can see she's out for destruction, she is the Jon Snow. Maeve is the Jon Snow of this, and I feel like she's going to be the very key redeeming character of the entire thing because she literally just is the prostitute, you know what I mean? There's there's nothing mm-hmm. special about Maeve per se when it comes to everything else. Dolores has been getting hints back since Arnold was alive, you know what I mean? Right, A right. A bunch of these other, you know? Maeve, Maeve is more is of the, like the bastard of the Ma- show. Maeve is the bastard. Maeve is Ray. Yeah. Maeve and Dolores 
need to have that one scene just like Daenerys Targaryen and Jon Snow at the end of season. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think for real that she she's going to be like the key to. factor towards the end of uh, the season, if not the series, in terms of being the one ex machina, the one that gets away. Right. And goes into the crowd. I feel like the series will end with this whole clash of will they make it, will they not? And then she does, though. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, she definitely seems a key role in, in whatever is mm-hmm. going on. So I'm curious to see what they end up doing with her. Uh, we also get some st- time with uh, Dolores. The second time we see her in the episode, she's riding horseback alongside James Marsden's Teddy, picking off guests with her rifle set to an old-timey version of The Entertainer. Dolores is no longer conflicted, introspective. She's full-on Wyatt murdering the uh, murdering the guests as revenge for what they've done to her. Art, uh, does Dolores's dark turn work for you so far? Trash. Bro. Everyone was like, yo, who's Wyatt? Oh, my goodness. Is it like, uh, what's the Game of Thrones one? Where everyone's waiting for... Uh, Azal, Sahir, whatever, Azor. Azor, you know, Alhai. Azor, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, so Wyatt, she believes. She ain't, ain't no girl named Wyatt. Is this the twist, really? You gave us a guy's name? And I, and I know you can play the whole gender thing, but it's like, bro, no, 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 no. Hey, take it easy. <laughs> and that was always hinted that, that Wyatt was in her. And now she's like, oh, I'm full Wyatt. And I was like, I don't know if I'm rocking with this. It's like she went straight up season one Khaleesi. To season seven, Khaleesi. Yes, Six. yes. Just like that. And I don't know about you, but we've had discussions about this. I'm not a big fan of Dark Khaleesi. She's annoying. She's all like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave people hanging for whatever else. And I wasn't sure how I was feeling about it. I'm like, maybe, maybe it's just not for me. And then she said something. When she was hanging the people there. Like, you can't just leave us like that. And she goes, doesn't look like anything to me. No. Nah. Not with it. How would she know the line? Yeah. Not only how would she know the line. I mean, maybe it was written for her. No, because it's not hers. And she also is literally seeing something because she just had the discussion. Right. So even if it was in her mind to go like, uh, okay, pretend that I don't see them. No one asked her the question, do you see that? Right, right. So what I'm seeing here is writing that goes, what's the most gifable thing from the last season? Doesn't look like anything to me. And then she says it. Not for herself, not for the script, but I felt for the audience. And I'm like, right, right. oh, man, we ain't just going season one Khaleesi to season seven Khaleesi. We go in season one writing to season seven writing real quick. And I hope that's not the case. And I only fell out with, with the storyline. It didn't bother you as much? Um, I mean, it didn't bother me. I didn't. I wasn't with it. I, I'm. am yeah. not into the Dolores oh, character. Lame. Uh, She's you know, boring. Right? I liked her in the first. Yeah, I liked her in the first season because there was that conflict. There was that mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's happening, trying to figure out the hints. And I think a character that seems like they know the answer is less interesting than one that's trying to find it. You know, that's yeah. why I'm into Bernard. That's why I'm into Maeve. Dolores doesn't really. I don't know what her goal is, and her goal is dark and and evil and. You know, I don't find just slaughtering people to be narratively interesting. So I I, I want there to be a little bit more there. Um, I 
you know, I'm not going to write off that storyline yet because we're one episode in, and I'm sure they're going to yeah, you have know. some interesting tr- twists there. But yeah, I, I'm I'm not with that as much as I am other parts of the show so far. And she got to stop using Teddy. Yeah, he <laughs> give my man James Marsden a break. That's he has he it rough on Westworld. <laughs> I think there was a little bit of an interesting kind of element to the way that a lot of things are are gender flipped or power dynamics mm-hmm. are flipped you know uh, they talked a lot about how HBO shows are often female centric in the nudity and male centric in terms of the violence and this mm-hmm. was the exact opposite in that we opposite. get some some male nudity here and the women right. are in control of the violence it's, uh, I don't yep. know how much of that. that I don't know how much of that was an intentional commentary on uh, the way that HBO shows typically go, but I could mm-hmm. see it as an intentional response. Well, you heard the article, right? You read the article about um, they're going to try to divvy up yeah, the, the equal amount of nudity towards the show. Yeah, um, yeah. I just hope it goes with the story. That's all I'm saying. I just hope it yeah. goes with the story. Yeah. So uh, other things that are important, I'd say we got a bit of Ed, Ed Harris as the man in black character. He's made it to the center of the maze, and now... Robert has a new game for him. He needs to get out and find the door. He's given a clue. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot we can talk about with him, though, although there is that cool moment where he talks to the young Robert robot. Savage. Yeah, uh, and they layer the voices. That was was a cool thing. Oh, that's creepy. He just shot that kid in the... Oh. He didn't even think twice about it. He said, are you done? (laughs) Boom. Yeah, I got what I need. I'm on my Mm -hmm. way. Uh, yeah. I guess the Man in Black's game is just about survival now that the stakes are life or death here, you know, now that he can actually die. Um, I don't know if there's going to be something more to it. but That's what he's been know. wanting. It's what yeah, he's it's, been wanting. So yeah. it'd be really interesting to see how he played. Because throughout the whole episode, that's what, I, that's what I was thinking as I saw these people getting slaughtered. Like some of them had guns. I'm like, y'all came here to play. Play. Right. Sh- you can still shoot him back. Shoot him back. Uh, also... Delos is trying to extract a host that has a ton of park information on it. They seem to uh, highly value it. I don't really know. I mean, I feel like it's one of those details that they're dropping in there so that later on it can become important because, you know, I don't necessarily know what they're going to do with that. Uh, Unless it connects with this next thing in that Delos has DNA of every guest who's entered the park. This is something that Tessa Thompson's character says to Jeffrey Wright's character uh, when they go into the lab together. And they kind of just mention it in passing that you know yeah. they're do- they can do DNA matches and stuff like that. Uh, what occurred to someone on the Westworld Reddit is what if they're getting all of this DNA so they can recreate the guests that died as hosts that potentially puts some of the hosts out into the real world. No, 1,000%. 1,000%. I've been saying this since the first season. I've been saying this since the first season, 1,000%. They're taking this DNA, and then you can easily swap people out and bring it in. I don't know if this was a thing in the uh, original movies. I think it was... Was there two movies? Yeah, because it was Westworld, and then I forgot what the sequel was, but it took place in another world when they were able to go to different ones. Um that was one of the things that they had there. They would bring officials in. It was in the sequel. They would bring like prime ministers or whatever, and they were taking their DNA to then be able to to put clone prime ministers back in their place and be right. able to rule stuff. Bro, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about how I guess the so one big thing hanging over the episode is there was no Anthony Hopkins, uh, and. 
you know, I don't know if we're going to get him soon or not, but considering that, what if he didn't actually die and made a host replica of himself? Yeah, yeah, everyone's been saying this. We've yeah. said that since the first one, and from the news, it seems that's the case. I hope they. I'm okay. I'm okay with it because it's Anthony Hopkins. You know what I mean. But I still am going to stand to the point that if it was any other show, I'd be like, that is lame. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that the way that they execute it, or that they do something different, mm-hmm. uh, is done well. Yeah, I mean, there is a sort of potential problem in that. Because we've seen Bernard die already. We've seen uh, Dolores and Teddy and Maeve die already. Because so many of the characters that we care about are hosts, does death even mean anything to many of the people we care about if they can be recreated so easily? So uh, I do hope that the big twist isn't that everybody is hosts because that's going to take a lot of the tension out of the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I think there's some interesting things here kind of scattered along uh, for us to, you know, pick up on. Was there anything else that stood out to you from this premiere episode? Things that you're looking forward to through the rest of the season? Yeah, let me pull up my notes real quick over here because I did have something that did stuck out. It stuck out to me. It was a line that I feel is going to be used again. It was brought up at the beginning of the episode where uh, what's her name? She's shooting everybody? Uh, not Maeve or Dolores? Dolores. Okay, Dolores. Dolores asks at the beginning, what's real? And Bernard, Arnold, however you want to see him, says, uh, anything that can't be replaced. She's like, eh. He's like, oh, you're not, you don't know, you don't like that answer. But that was interesting. It's anything that can't be replaced. Right. And it started, I don't know, started. I don't know what to think about that yet. Because I was thinking yeah. about it, I was like, okay, that, that falls for humans. Like, a human cannot be replaced. So, as you mentioned, if these hosts can't die, then they're not real. But that's the whole point, that they're trying to get to a point that can't yeah. be real. But it's like but this also, microphone is real. is that a bad definition of real? Because, like, there's that moment with Maeve and uh, Lee where Lee tells her that her daughter isn't real and she's like, are mm. these fingers real? You know, real? Like, if I shove them, yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm getting at, though, right? This is real? It can yeah. be replaced, though. Or can it technically be replaced because it would be a brand new keyboard, not that? Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, those are the most interesting questions that Westworld brings up. It's that whole yeah. idea of what does humanity mean? What does a replicant mean? What are the consequences of these types of actions? I, yeah. I think that's where Westworld becomes special is when it gets you to think about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It brings me to the next one because I had three in total. It was at the fifty-four minute mark. Um, when I think it's the kid talking to him, it's uh, the kid version of Anthony Hopkins, and he tells yeah, him something. Yeah, the young Robert Robot. Yeah, then Men in, uh, uh, Man in Black, Ed Harris goes, you're still talking in code? And then the kid goes, everything is code. And yeah. I have a poster that I was looking at posters, and one of the posters says, every single person has a code to them. Every human has a code to them. And it's the veins of a human body, but like as digital code. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I watched the episode and he brings that up and it gets back to that root of the idea that all the robots may be cold, right? Like that scene where he says, oh, I wrote that line for you. But how many times can you like go to your, I don't know, the person who you look up to the most or your parents or whatever? As Kanye, if you don't follow Kanye on Twitter, has said, your first acting coaches are your teachers. They teach you how to act from the beginning. So at what point are you yelling at your parents and then go, you got that from a movie? Oh, right. you got that because I've been in that position. I taught you those words. You know what I mean? Yeah. That humans themselves have codes 
depending on how they've been rigged. Yeah, what, what of our behavior are. is natural and what of it is learned from our environments. Which is, again, the bigger question over the robots and anything else that it's asking about humans, but through robots, people just go, oh, that's really interesting with the robots. But it's like, bro, it's not, it's not about the robots. Yeah. They're using robots as a, as a symbolism about you and the things that, that you go through and stuff. Especially, like, uh, this being questions that we're going to be dealing with more and more so in real life. Ex exactly. Uh, the last one being 59-minute mark. Again, Dolores using Teddy, but she says, one thing is constant. You. And I found that interesting because the best part about Dolores' timeline is, is Teddy. And he is always there. No matter what it is, he's always there. Obviously, I go back to uh, Lost. Desmond is the constant. It's a storyline that I love from that show. So seeing that pop up back over here, I think it's going to be really interesting because it's not only Teddy being the constant for her. Maeve's is searching for her constant. Her constant is her child. And everybody else has a constant. So I'm curious to see how all of that plays off. Yeah, it, it is sort of an interesting thing that uh, this companionship thing ends up mm -hmm. being a really big part of so many of the hosts' programming. Despite the fact that they're not humans, they still have this like call for companionship uh, exactly. I don't I don't know if that's you gotta if you can explain that away in code or not but mm -hmm. I mean I, I I'm loving all the lost comparisons especially with the multiple timelines yeah. and stuff it, there are a lot of things here giving me major lost vibes I have someone was saying he's like lost Westworld is like lost when lost was good of course <laughs> of course I'm being lost fans so I take a little offense to that yeah. but it's true though I, I'll be the first to say it no I get it yeah, I get it. This is why we host a podcast I it, I together. I, I get yeah. that too. Exactly, one thousand percent. So we're having it's exciting, dude. Absolutely, we're having this conversation basically in the immediate aftermath of the season mm -hmm. two premiere. So by the time that you've watched this, uh, Art have may, may have already posted something fuller. I don't know. Uh, Reddit is definitely going to have season two completely solved by the time you see this it's video. It's done, bro. They got three. <laughs> So uh, I'm sure we're talking about Westworld more in the upcoming weeks. Stick with us and let, you, let us know what you thought of the season two premiere in the comments down below. We're going to move on for now to our last segment of the week, the new 2C, talking about what's new in theaters on VOD mm -hmm. and streaming, starting with what else? The big movie of the weekend, the big movie maybe of the year, maybe the big movie of all time. I'm, I'm willing to say that. Can I guess Event? it? <laughs> you want to guess it? It's a guessing <laughs> game. I've been excited for this for the longest time. I truly believe that the son of Bigfoot is definitely <laughs> going to come in and bash all those box office records. I thought you were going to go you... with Disobedience, the Rachel Weisswick Adams Orthodox Jew lesbian drama. Bro, that don't even come out on Flix. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> no. I mean, we all know what it's going to be. We all know what's going to break the records. Avengers Infinity War. I, I think. I think. Yeah. I think it's going to break the records. There's absolutely no way. If Black Panther was bringing those people to the theater, it takes place in Wakanda. It's bringing the same people to the theater. Plus exactly. everybody else. Plus the people who have been waiting and stuff like that. Like, you just... You can't. I mean, they moved it up a week. Yeah. I mean, there's a thirst for this movie, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody seems to get that this is the culmination of a lot of Marvel efforts over the past what decade plus now. Yeah, it's uh, earned it, it. It's earned it. Yeah. And it, like you mentioned, Black Panther made all that money 
And from the looks of it, this is like almost an indirect Black Panther sequel. We got sequel. a whole section of the movie happening in Wakanda. So mm -hmm. that whole audience is going to be thirsty to see it again. All the people who just want to see regular Avengers stuff are, are going to be uh, excited for this one. I think there's just a whole lot of interest in, in seeing what Marvel is doing and planning for their future. Uh, and early reports seem to think that this is going to smash a bunch of box office records. So worth keeping track of that. New to streaming on Netflix, April 27th, 3% the second season. This is the Brazilian show from the cinematographer of City of God. I've heard good things right. about season one, so I, I'm going to try and catch up soon. Bobby Kennedy for President also comes out the same day. It's a four-part documentary series about Bobby Kennedy's presidential run. And there's some good buzz on this one, so don't be surprised if you see some good reviews coming out. Also on Netflix on April 27th, uh, The Man Who Knew Infinity from 2015, this stars Dev Patel and Jeremy Irons in a story about a pioneering Indian mathematician. Slipped through the cracks oh. a little bit. I think I'll stay home. <laughs> HBO Go on April 28th, The Hitman's Bodyguard, which I, I, I love it. to remind people, was the number one movie in America for three weeks in a row. That's and crazy. you probably forgot about that. Exactly. On Amazon Prime on April 27th, All or Nothing Dallas Cowboys Season 3, a documentary series that goes behind the scenes for the Dallas Cowboys. And then Little Bit Awesome Season 1A, I have no idea what that is. Hulu on April 25th, The Handmaid's Tale Season 2, Episodes 1 and 2 become available. Uh, I still am planning my Handmaid's Tale catch-up, so I'm going to hopefully be ready for April 25th, but I enjoyed what I I've seen so far. <laughs> Uh, April 27th, Tiny Shoulders, Rethinking Barbie. It's a Hulu original documentary about the redesign of the problematic yet iconic doll. And then on April 30th, uh, The Carmichael Show moves from Netflix to Hulu. It's one of the best multicam sitcoms of the last decade. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, that one is going to be on Netflix for a little bit more and then jump into Hulu. New to VOD on April 24th, Hostiles with Christian Bale. This one I think is directed by Scott mm. Cooper. Batman Ninja, Den of Thieves. Been hearing things about that. And Paddington 2. So Art, what is your pick for the week? I mean, obviously if you're going out to theaters, can you even see another movie? You know the screenings doing The Last Jedi thing where it's just literally that. Plus, like, maybe a Black Panther screening. Everyone's right. going to be seeing Avengers. So I obviously highly recommend going to see that ju just because of how big it is. And it's an event. And I honestly think people should go and uh, catch this event. Yeah, it's fun to be part of cultural moments sometimes. And it, it's rare that we know, like, everybody's going to be talking about this. So uh, it, I'm going to be catching up with that, too. Or yeah. being there. Yeah, so I'd say that if for whatever reason that's not your cup of tea, uh, probably in second place for me in theaters right now is A Quiet Place. So Avengers, Quiet Place. If you want to stay at home, I have heard good things about the Lost in Space uh, I'm not TV show. I'm not familiar with it really, but I've heard the yeah. new one is pretty good. I've heard a couple of good things from it, but what I would personally recommend if you're a fan of it, Rapture. Uh, I know HBO has their own version of it, but uh, I'm in the last couple of episodes of it. Rapture, it's pretty much like a docu-series about rappers. The first one is on Logic. The second one is on Nas and Davies. And it's like a, it's just a really interesting look. I love the way that it's edited, the way that it's, the way that it's paced through, and it gives you a little glimpse of these rappers' life um, that you don't usually see 
or understand fully sometimes through the lyrics and, and the stuff that they that they go through in the creative process. So I would definitely check that out. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about catching up with Rapture. It seems interesting. So you, got, you have to. Netflix. Uh, I'll look into that one. My pick for the week, obviously, everybody's going to see Avengers Infinity War, so I don't want to recommend that one. Uh, I will recommend, if you're in the New York area, you know, still got another week of the Tribeca Film Festival, and there's a whole bunch of interesting movies playing. A lot of good documentaries, sports documentaries, and stuff like that, too. Also, a movie called, um, what's it, uh, Zoe, um, that's supposed to be pretty good that I'm seeing later this week, so I'll be on Twitter uh, with some thoughts on movies throughout mm -hmm. the week. But if you're staying home, uh, I'll, go, I'll go with the Carmichael Show. If you got Netflix now or if you got Hulu on April 30th, it's a really great look at some of the uh, issues that people talk about and why they're so frustrating to talk about. I think it's uh, great in that it's an issue show that doesn't necessarily take sides. It just sort of talks about people's frustrations and lets them go at each other. Uh, it's similar to All in the Family in a lot of ways, uh, but Gerard Carmichael at the center of it is really, really funny, and there's a great cast on it. Lil Rel Howery and Tiffany Haddish hey, were both on this hey, show okay. before they broke out last year in movies, so I, I would definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's an easy show to watch, like most laugh tracks sitcoms are. You can kind of just mm -hmm. put it on, half pay attention, and laugh with the funny parts. So, yeah, Carmichael Show is my recommendation. But that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, at ZShevich, or on Instagram, also at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshow. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the ADZ Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, YouTube. Got some videos coming up over there. But... Make sure to not only catch us here on the intercard, which is gonna he's going to put you up to, but definitely if you're watching this and you missed it on our videos or on his social media and whatnot, definitely go check out Fables. What's the artist's name? Margo. Margo. That's it? Did you go yeah. by Margo? Was she Single Seal? <laughs> Margo. Just Margo. No Robbie or nothing in the back. My man worked no on a music Dale. video. Yeah, no Martin Dale, no character actress before <laughs> it or anything. Uh, it's called Fables. He directed it. And it's super dope. So definitely go check that out. The first goal we want is 10,000. Once we pass that, <laughs> we'll readjust our goals, but definitely help us get there to 10,000. Uh, you did a fantastic job with it, so go just stream it as many times. It's on Spotify too? Yeah, so. uh, the, the EP's on Spotify, mm -hmm. and the music video is up on YouTube now. So or it, it, go check it out. EP's available on any music streaming service. So yeah, Margo is the artist, and uh, Fables is the video that I directed. I'll, I'll leave a link in the description down below. Thank you, Art, for the plug. Uh, hopefully you guys all enjoyed it out there. I had a lot of fun making that video. I have a lot of fun making these videos, though, and you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed, not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can find our bright, smiling faces as we run through the latest in entertainment for all of you. Find new episodes of Intercut every Tuesday, and also like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, all of them at intercutpod, to get updates from both me and Art throughout the week. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, these violent delights have violent ends. That one I approve of.